Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. To Moving Iron Podcast Markets. I got Chip Nellinger back here for the first podcast of 2024. Chip, how you doing, buddy? Good. Happy New Year, Casey. Yeah, you too, man. Survived the holidays there. Got got to see all your family and all that stuff. Yeah, pretty uh pretty quiet. We were a little slowed down with some uh COVID in the family right ahead of Christmas. Oh, but man. uh we we ended up getting all the Christmases in by New Year's and uh yeah, it was uh it, it was a good way to kind of close the year out and reflect a little bit and uh, slow down and now we're ready to roll for the new year right on well let's let's talk a little bit about 23 and kind of get a recap there 23 was a was a crazy year you started out with um a lot of really high commodity prices first in the year and it kind of tapered down to where gave all that back and then it kind of went back to where we started um shortly after covid um, a lot of that stuff again was driven by by the covid delays and stuff we saw out there but there's been a lot of uh in 23 we saw a lot of of weather-based premium get put in and taken off throughout the year, uh, more so than I than I can remember, um, is volatility. As we saw as much volatility around the world when it came to the weather situation. So, Chip, I guess kind of reflect a little bit on 23 here and kind of what you what you thought of it and kind of how you think that's going to affect going into 24. Yeah, I think you that was a good summary, right? A lot of volatility. We're kind of transitioning, coming off of uh, two or three years here. We've had um, shrinking global um, stocks of grain, particularly corn and beans, right? We've had a couple little weather flare-ups here, two or three major droughts, really three back-to-back-to-back major droughts uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, Uh, one in Argentina that we came off of last year. So that really has kind of thrown uh, the world a little bit out of the cycle that we're, we're used to and caused some of this volatility. In fact, you looked uh, at a bean chart, a long-term bean chart over the last year, you know, we had uh, probably just off of memory here, four, maybe five swings in beans, uh, both lower and higher, that were at least a dollar, and a couple of those were two dollars or more. And of course, we're kind of in the middle of one right now, unfortunately, to the downside. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that the take home is 
is the war, we're kind of in this transition. 23 is kind of like a transition phase into, you know, tight stocks of, of global uh, grain supplies to maybe one now where the market's thinking, okay, we're going to start building those supplies into 24 and 25. And so, um, you know, a lot of volatility surrounding some of the weather issues that have, have flared up. Brazil uh, probably, you know, uh, arguably into uh, in, in early 23, November, December, uh, and here now in January, uh, one of their worst droughts ever. Uh, really, that goes back to about September is when that started for them. But, you know, they don't plant beans that early. Uh, and then once the, by the time they started planting uh, their, you know, late fall and into December, uh, was one of the worst droughts uh, in Brazil's history and saw some volatility to the upside. And, you know, they've gotten some recent rains and taken a little bit of that weather premium out. So 23 was more of a transition uh, year in my mind, um, you know, between tight stocks and what the market's perception is of, of building, uh, increasing stocks into 24. Saw a lot of volatility. Saw a lot of geopolitical stuff going on. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. the, the take home for me too, you had the, Ukraine war still and what the mm-hmm. third year I guess uh, you had the whole Israel uh, Gaza situation uh, some Red Sea issues and you know on top of that you've got this whole inflationary environment and then late in the year you know the Federal Reserve coming out saying hey we're done increasing rates uh, it's been fun we're going to start decreasing them now and so that was a bit of a of a wild card to the market, and and there's no one that had on their on their dance card uh, on January first of 2023 that uh, the U.S. stock market would close uh, at all time highs, right? So that's right. that's yeah, another exactly. head scratcher yeah. there that uh, no one had that uh, on their playlist, and yet mm-hmm. here we are, you know, ended the year uh, at all time highs in the stock market and well off of recent highs in our bond yields and, and interest rates. So yep. it was a it was a wild one in twenty three. And I think uh people are looking for some some quietness in twenty four, but I, I think it's still gonna be pretty volatile and pretty uh hard to you know hard to hard to manage the unexpected swings that we're likely to see in twenty four. Yeah, you brought up a good point there when you look at the interest rates and, and how how that little bit of news that came from the Fed about, okay, right, we're going to potentially lower interest rates by three times, right? Now, they you read some reports and, and you some news, and it's happening for sure. And then you read some other reports, and it's like, eh, well, they said they might lower them three times. The stock market took that and ran, and and they're they are betting on the come like no one's business yeah. when it comes to what interest rates are going to look like. Um, you know, as you look at a few things, let's let's talk about energy markets here a little bit. As you look at what's going on there, uh, a lot of bullish information has been thrown around out there. You look at the Iran uh, situation that we're in right now; um, they are doing their best to to get in a war with us. It feels like and and slap us around a little bit, and you know, rightly so. We haven't done much to to stop them from doing that. But I guess as you look at that, that situation, Chip, what are your thoughts on the energy market right now? Yeah, there's a head scratcher as well, right? Like kind of dovetails right into this uh, mm-hmm. equity market discussion we had, right? Then no one yeah. would have expected all time highs in uh, equities. If I would have told you, you know, Hey, we still have a major war conflict going on uh, with between Russia and Ukraine and, you know, week to week fluctuations in the black sea, whether there's ships going in or out of that or whether it's a halt. Uh, and 
arguably, um, you know, the, the biggest major war in the Middle East between, um, uh, you know, Palestine um, and uh, Hamas and, and Israel that we've had in 30, 40 years, maybe longer, uh, that uh, we'd have several, uh, you know, uh, aircraft carriers and warships right. in the Red Sea and being fired upon by uh, Iran and Iran sending their own warships into the Red Sea. And uh, if I would have told you that and gave you the play ahead of time, you would have thought crude oil would have been $110, $120 a barrel. And it ended the year in 23 struggling to stay above $70 a barrel and right. spent plenty of time under 70 in the 60s, low to mid 60s. Mm-hmm. And so, again, a head scratcher there. Um, part of that is this deflationary environment, like you mentioned, <clears throat> when the Federal Reserve made that big, big shift in policy. It was a real wild card because for 18 months, they said, no, higher for longer, higher for longer. That was the mantra, right? Higher for longer on interest rates. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they're like, "Uh, not higher for longer, uh, lower quicker, lower quicker. And um, that sucked a lot of money out of um, index funds and this inflation trade. And it put some of that money that were long commodities and hard assets back into the stock market. So I think it's just kind of a rotation thing. Now, the thing in 24 is, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Nobody does. Uh, you know, w- with this Iran situation, to me, the, the easy answer is it's going to escalate. Uh, probably back to your point uh, that uh, we don't seem to uh, carry a big enough stick anymore for anybody to be, uh, quite frankly, worried about what we think or say or do. They just do right. what they want. We've lost our status in the world uh, as the big dog with the big stick. And, uh, and so my assumption is that we could easily, easily see um, escalation in the Middle East, in the Red Sea, and have um, you know crude oil really put a rally in. It's set up now where the speculative money is at the lowest um, levels we've seen for uh, a couple, two, three years in the energy markets, probably since COVID, right? When we went negative uh, crude oil, uh, if you remember that, in the middle of COVID. Uh, yeah. So we're set up now to kind of explode the energy markets back to the upside if there is continuing uh, problems in um, you know this Middle East situation. And I don't know why there wouldn't be, right? These things don't just end overnight. Uh, right. And they probably escalate before there is some final uh, resolution here. So yep. that I think is a wild card and that could certainly affect the grain markets uh, as well. If you break out, if you start seeing crude oil creep north of 80, I think it could be a quick run to 90 or above. Uh, those are big ifs right now, but um, I think that uh, that could be maybe a shock to the system. And that would throw a monkey wrench in this whole interest rate situation too, right? If you see a big uh, a big jump up in uh, in crude oil and energy prices. That's going to you know put a little bit of a wrench in this inflation. Uh, you know, taming the inflation uh, beast too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you said, man. There's so many. There's as much geopolitical stuff going on right now, if not more than there was in 23. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Now you kind of let's let's come back over here to the grains for a minute so a couple things i think i'm I'm gonna pay attention to in 24 um ukraine russia thing um that war has hit a stalemate neither side can kind of get 
go any further than what they're doing. I've read several reports, and you take them for what they're worth, but there's a lot of, of uh, muttering out there that perhaps uh, Putin is ready to, to talk about what it might look like to um, what is what a surrender might or not surrender, but a, a a parting of ways might look like between Russia and Ukraine. Um, you look at uh, Ukrainian presence losing uh, losing favor in in Ukraine right now, so there could be some opening there to where you could see some more. Uh, possibility of grain to come in and out. Now, of course, they got to grow it, and that's where they're they're struggling to do right now. But even on the Russia side, you're starting to see maybe an opportunity. There could be more stuff coming out of the Black Sea area. You struggled this fall to get uh, a good, solid wheat crop planted, and now we're looking at some winter kill situations that could be coming down the pike. I will say the plains have been getting uh, a lot more moisture and snow in the way of snow than what we've seen in the past. I know some uh, snow is falling right now in central Kansas. Just talked to my mom, and they're supposed to get four to six inches of snow uh, ahead of this big cold front that's coming through. That could, it's supposed to be pretty, uh, pretty amazing cold front coming through here. So I guess as you're looking at at the wheat market, Chip, there's a there's a lot of again bullish stuff kind of coming at it. I guess what are your thoughts there, and, and where do you see that headed? Yeah, again, I think it's it says to me uh, a lot more uncertainty. Right, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have uh, here on the twelfth of January, uh, a week from today, uh, the uh, January WASDE report. And with that, we get some wheat planted acreage number. That's expected to be uh, way, way down from a year ago. You mentioned the cold weather here, potential you know winter kill problems. You also have a big deep freeze coming in Ukraine uh, and uh, Central Europe. Uh, and so I think you've seen a little bit of uh, risk premium be put back in the wheat market here the last couple of days. But, um, you know, again, just wild wild uncertainty right with uh how that's gonna end up you can see the writing on the wall right you, you, you can see for some time the narrative has has changed um you know as far as the um ukraine uh russia war uh it, it's out of favor we're we're done i guess grifting uh you know hundreds of billions of dollars uh, uh through there uh, i guess we've uh we've, we've sucked the machine dry and so there's no more uh, money to be squeezed out of it so Logically, there's going to be likely in 24 some sort of agreement, right? It probably means Russia takes the, uh, you know, the territory that they um, initially wanted, um, and Ukraine begins a long rebuild process. Um, how does that factor into production? Is is uh, is anyone's guess? You know, part of what we've had hanging over the wheat market for a long time is uh, Russia had a big, big crop, and they're probably about through with uh, putting that out on the market, you know, probably on the downside of the supplies they have, but now it's about new crop supplies and, and production. And so that's going to be something that drives us. The, the commodity funds have, have maintained a pretty large short position in the wheat market uh, for the better part of uh, 18 months now. Uh, we're down near, uh, you know, multi-year lows. And so all you need is one little spark out there to, to you know, I guess spur them out of that short position, and you could have a, a buck and a half rally in wheat very easily. Now you need a spark to do that, right? And so far we haven't seen that, but there's a lot of things on the horizon that uh, that could do that. And you know, I just geopolitically, I just can't remember uh, a time in my career, which is you know thirty plus years. There there may be a couple times with as much uncertainty for short periods of time, but this amount of uncertainty on multiple fronts, like you were talking about, 
Uh, I don't ever remember that in my lifetime. Something very quietly that happened too uh, over this um, the uh, New Year's holiday was that kind of didn't get a lot of attention uh, was the Chinese president gave a New Year's address and he said in 2024, we are going to be reunified uh, with uh, Taiwan and uh, meaning, hey, we're going to walk in and finally take them back because China thinks uh, Taiwan is theirs um, mm-hmm. and Taiwan never left type of a deal. So that more than anything might have been what kind of kicked off some of our grain markets, especially hogs took a beating uh, early in the first week of the year. Uh, that's a whole nother wild card. You know, not only yeah. do you have the Middle East, the, the Ukraine situation, <laughs> China's, um, you know, rattling on the sabers pretty aggressively uh, as well, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said across from Biden when he was here last time and said, hey, I just hope I have support on the Taiwan thing, you know, and just like nonchalantly said it like that. And the media just kind of completely just didn't pay any attention. You know, it just blows my yeah. mind about that. So. It is mind. It is mind boggling. <laughs> so how that all sifts out with commodity prices, um, I don't know. It says to me, don't get locked into, um, you know. Don't get perma bear or perma bull uh, syndrome. There's going to be wild swings in these markets, uh, even if our our crops continue to be large. Uh, it seems like quietly under the radar too. I think it's psychological too. We don't even, in my opinion, the corn of the bean market haven't really begun to get serious about what the the Brazil crop size prospects are. You know, and because I think some of it goes back to our growing season last year in 23, right? And people are saying it's the same thing. You know, we were hot and dry in June and July. We didn't have much rain in August. We finally started getting some late rains and look at our crop. It was, you know, big. Some guys had record. Um, you can't hurt these crops anymore. I think they're saying the same thing about Brazil. And um, I'm not so sure that's the case, right? They have different soil. There's 700 million bushel swings currently from low to high um, on their bean crop uh, estimates. And, uh, you know, I just think that could still come back to really have add some volatility to the bean market. Uh, Right now, the bean market's on multiple month lows, and I'm assuming everything's great and there's enough beans in the Southern Hemisphere. I I think that's um, a little bit presumptuous. Uh, right now, the corn market is hovering near multi-month and contract lows, under the assumption they're gonna everything's gonna be fine with their second crop corn they haven't even planted yet. And I think that's a little bit, uh, you know, silly to to think that. So the weather, on top of all this ge- geopolitical stuff, um, it, it's just there's so many unknowns. So I, I think we're gonna continue to have opportunities, um, big swings. There's going to be days like today, probably, uh, from a farmer producer standpoint, that it feels like we're going to zero. There's probably going to be days and weeks where we think, ah, we're we're going sky high, and uh, it it means there's going to be opportunity. But uh, we better we better sharpen the pencil and and be ready for the volatility. I don't think it's going away and probably getting uh, worse before it gets better. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, right? Everybody says they shy away from volatility, myself included, but 
um, you know, we don't want corn sitting there in a 12 cent range all year either. We want, right. you know, the swings yeah. give you opportunities to be competitive and, and chances of profitability. For sure. Absolutely. All right, man. <clears throat> um, so you hit on the hog thing. I think that's what the last thing I want to talk about, but I guess as you look at the hog market, there's been some glimmer of hope, but then you got this last thing here where the hog market just got smacked up here pretty good at the end of the year. I guess looking at the hog market in this first quarter, do you see some opportunities coming that will uh, allow the hog market to have an opportunity to be profitable again? Well, I think the first quarter is going to be tough. Um, so a couple things at play there. We're, we're feeding them uh, really big, and we've got more of them than expected, right? The last mm-hmm. two quarterly hogs and pigs reports, the pigs per litter essentially record. Uh, now, we're taking some sows out of production, but the problem is, um, you know, that's probably towards the back end of the market. And in, the, you know, the first quarter, we're really going to be struggling with um, a, a big supply. Uh, you know, I think the fear initially was back to this China thing. Are they done buying pork? You know, they're arguably uh, maybe the second biggest, maybe the biggest now buyer of U.S. pork for the last couple of years. And so if we get into this geopolitical, they you know, get into, you know, taking over Taiwan type of a deal. Uh, that's not going to be friendly to any of our ag markets, especially beans and pork. Uh, the old pork and bean trade, right? I, uh, old, right. old floor trader, he, he loved the pork and bean trade. But mm-hmm. uh, so I think there are some hopes longer term. Um, unfortunately, I, uh, I'm reading too that more states, um, unfortunately, the one I'm in right now, Illinois, uh, is wanting to go more towards this California uh, type environment where, uh, you know, it just isn't really palatable for profitably raising hogs. You know, uh, the kind of the non-confinement type, uh, you know, fairing crates that have a lot more space. And there's just so many problems with that. There's more and more uh, states that are starting to come online and want to do this, um, which, you know, my hope was that the uh, craziness stopped at california it stopped at the border there but it seems to be spreading uh, eastward and so that's not really uh, you know necessarily a good environment uh, for the hog market so I, I think we've got some chances uh but these summer months that are back up above 90 now there's such a head start to where we're sitting you know in the front month february contract I, you know I, I don't know i know corns come down i know meals come down I think on, you know, bounces here into the first quarter on the deferreds, we have to get more aggressive than what we normally are used to. Normally, you got a lot of upside into, you know, summer time frame on those. I'm a little bit worried it's going to be a weird year in, in the hog market. So, you know, mid to upper 90s, um, you know, probably need respected in these summer month hogs if you see those here uh, going forward the next couple of months. Right on. All right, Chip, good place to stop uh, for this podcast. Look forward to uh, working with you furthermore here in 2024, and uh, uh, best of luck to you guys over at Blue Reef as, as 2024 starts to unfold. Well, uh, Casey, I know that uh, you've got uh, a lot going on in 24, so let's uh, cheers to that and uh, wishing you continued success. And I'm sure we'll talk more in the 24, and they're going to be exciting things to, to come on the uh, on the markets for sure. That's definitely for sure. So, Chip, appreciate you being on. Folks, want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our main office number. That's 309-550-7213. 
Uh, we, uh, as always, love to, to chat with you about what you're doing uh, with your risk management plan and how you might be able to uh, add an extra set of eyes and ears and, and improve the execution of that. Right on. Well, Chip, I appreciate it, and we will uh, talk to you again next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Casey. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. And check me out on uh, Snapchat and TikTok at Moving Iron Podcast. Go see the video version of this over at YouTube, which is a Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and see everything Moving Iron related at Moving Iron Podcast, which I should have a new website up here, I hope, soon. So I keep saying that, but we'll find out when it gets there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Melinger. It's going to be some iron folks. Out. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron.